to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from PristineAuction.com Studios, with your hosts, Jake Seeley, Chris Meany, and Joe Holka. Welcome, Foot Clan! It is not Mike Wright this year. It is myself, Jake Seeley, which might be weird for you guys, but we consider everybody on this show and the footballers family we are part of the fantasy footballers we are here for the foot clan we are here for the dfs for the rest of us as it is called from last season but it is no more mike right because he's taking care of you guys on the seasonal side along with the rest of the footballers and andy holloway and my friend jason moore who actually had on the podcast this past week but chris meany is back with this show again joel hoka is a new addition like myself so it sounds like Chris Meany is the, the veteran of the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a little weird for you to intro, not Mike. Um, but, you know, I'm okay weird with it. I'm fine better. with it. Yes. Uh, great addition. Both of you guys, of course. You know, Jake, you've been doing some stuff with the DFS Pass over the past couple of years. And Joe, we had on the show last year a couple times. And they were phenomenal shows. So DFS for the rest of us. A lot of off-season talk. Finally, we can just move on to week one. It is here. And just looking forward to doing the show with you guys. Wait, so jo- Joe was on it. So it sounds like, Chris, you're kind of like the grizzly veteran quarterback. Joe Holka is kind of like the, you know, you're the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the world, and I'm like the Kyler Murray is what it sounds like. Yeah, well, m- yeah, more or less, I was just like the practice squad guy that got called up here and there whenever they needed someone, and there was like multiple, multiple injuries. I was that guy. So You were I'm Nick glad- Foles. Nick yeah, Foles, exactly. MVP. There you go. MVP. But hey, look. If you haven't been following any of us, at All Good for myself, at Chris Meany for Chris Meany, at Joe Hoka for Joe Hoka, the great DFS minds. To be honest with you, these two are the ones that I bounce my ideas off of all the time. So if you're looking for DFS advice, this is what it is. DFS for the rest of us, we're here for you. The Fantasy Football's DFS podcast. And by the way, before we jump into everything, make sure you can get 10% off the DFS pass, by the way, by using the tag podcast. That's, that's your code right there, 10% off. But we're going to jump in, and what we do is we start with cash game picks. So let's just get right into it for everybody. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. I love I love the sound drops on this show. That's like probably my favorite part. Yeah, they are. That's what I'm here for. So we are over on FanDuel. That's what we're going to be doing for you guys this year, and we're going to do straight through the order like you heard last season. We're going to start with quarterbacks. So. I'll go back and forth. We'll do a snake draft between the two of you, and we'll start with Chris Meany because he is the veteran. He is the longtime guy of the show. You are the Eli Manning, which might be a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. You're a Hall of Famer, but you kind of suck at the same time. Did I just say that about you? You, you, you did, you, but you know I got two Super Bowl <laughs> rings, so I'm all right with it. Yeah, see? Exactly. All right. Where are you looking at cash-wise? Are is it just Kyler Murray? I mean, is that what everybody's going to be doing this week? I, I don't know. Maybe. I feel like he's going to be pretty popular, certainly in tournaments. But I like your boy Lamar Jackson for $100 more on FanDuel. I mean, why not? And even looking at last year, like a shaky completion percentage, just one game where he threw for over 200 passing yards. But he averaged 21 FanDuel points in his final eight games because we all know the rushing floor that he has. He averaged 76 rushing yards per game over that span. So it's basically like starting with two free touchdowns even if he doesn't have a great game through the air he's going to give you double digit fantasy points with his legs and at least some passing and he's playing the Miami Dolphins after all so this is a I know Baltimore wants to run the football but Lamar Jackson's the perfect cash game quarterback he may not have that ceiling like other guys on this slate but I think he's pretty safe 
Yeah, so not to kind of come hot out of the gates uh, right away, but I have issues uh, with both of those guys that you mentioned. I think that they're they're fine if you're looking just for floor, but in terms of Lamar Jackson, like what if this game just is a complete blowout after the first half? We know that they can slow down the pace in general, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. The Dolphins are just in full-on tank mode before the season even starts, it feel like. So yeah, I feel like there's, there's a great floor with Lamar. In, in terms of Kyler Murray, I, I would love to just – uh, go with the rookie since I'm technically the rookie on this podcast right now. But I have like huge pace concerns in this game. The Cardinals, like, yes, hopefully they're going to have more of like an up-tempo offense this year. But I'm more worried about the Lions. Fifth fewest combined snaps last year, fourth slowest pace per play. So I just think that in general, yeah, it's a great matchup. The, the defense for Detroit really struggled against QBs last year. But my guy is going to be Winston, Jameis Winston. I, I think that if we're going to go back to the old Bruce Arians days, it really just plays to his strengths in general. I think that it's one of the best. I mean, you could probably argue it's the best wide receiver, wide receiver tight end trio with Evans, Godwin, and Howard. And I just like that game environment a lot more than the other two. That's a fair pick. Uh, but on the flip side, let me ask you this, though, with the situation in the Arizona, what we've seen from their defense, and is it only preseason? But Chris knows I said this. He's like, I don't care if you want to call it vanilla because it's vanilla defenses in the preseason. I don't care if you call it chalk, and I don't care if you want to call it cookie dough with Reese's Pieces bites inside or whatever. The defense is going to suck. So on that end of it, could this be a game where the pace is a little bit picked up for the Lions and maybe that offsets into your concern? It's possible that it's a little bit more efficient on that side of things for Detroit, which would amount to more plays for Arizona, especially if they are going to kind of pick up the pace. So, yeah, that's a really I mean, that's a great point. I, I do think that the ceiling is probably higher for Kyler Murray than with Lamar. So if I had to choose one between the two, I'd definitely be going with the rookie. Yeah, yeah fair I enough. I, I, yeah. See, you know, it's, it's interesting is originally I was thinking in my mind, Dak Prescott was going to be a great call for myself, but then. To your point, Jameis Winston's the same price, and I don't see how you don't go for Jameis Winston the same price. Although I really like, put it this way, I think if you're in the range of Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray for the rushing floors, or if you're going to go with Jameis Winston at matchup, I think these are the three most common ones. I mean, is there anybody else off your mind, Chris, that like maybe we didn't mention? Uh, not really. I mean, Cam's got the foot, so you you don't. He should be fine, but you don't want to roll him out and he's cash. Priced up. Yeah, and he's priced up. So yeah, that I mean, I love Jameis. I mean, spoiler alert, he was going to be my my tournament quarterback there's there's definitely nothing wrong with him it's a high total game two brutal defenses you should see about you know five six seven touchdowns in this game so absolutely nothing wrong with Jameis at that price at 7500 no way all right anything else before we move to running backs there joe I mean, should we talk about Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I know we're talking about cash games and he's priced all the way up, but if we want to look at... He's 700 Yeah, like at at what point, like, do you say it's week one, we're going to have some value, which we talk about. Does it make some sense to pay up for Mahomes? Probably not in cash games, something I would do typically. And not in the road against Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty tight spread, at least. So we still know the game's going to be a little bit closer. But I mean, if we're just talking about pace, like the Chiefs, they average a third most combined snaps as we're just looking at the entire game. We know that they were super efficient, so they didn't run as many plays. But I think Mahomes is at least in play. Probably not for cash, but we'll get to him in GPPs. All right, well, then let me ask you real quick before we move on from quarterback then. To, to your point, I see a lot of people pushing back. Just in my general rankings, this isn't for DFS, but this will tie into DFS, is the Matt Ryan, if you want to talk about that, the Matt Ryan offense. But in Minnesota, there's a lot of people out there that are just assuming, oh, well, Minnesota can score a lot, so this should be a good game. On the flip side, we know that Matt Ryan can struggle at times on the road, but it is a dome and it is the Vikings defense. Like, which way you're going with that? Because Matt Ryan does save you 700, who was on FanDuel the second most, productive quarterback last year 
Yeah, I just prefer to have some sort of rushing floor, especially if we're talking cash games. And I don't typically even play guys like Matt Ryan, Drew Brees anyway, unless I'm just trying to mix in a stack or two. I just think that the ceiling and the floor that you lose from at least some kind of on the ground expectation really hurts you in DFS. Yeah, I think he's somebody to, I mean, consider in tournaments, but you don't really need to go there, I, I don't think. And like you said, Jake, it's, it is in Minnesota. Yeah, it's a dome, but still there's a pretty good defense over there with the Vikings. And he's just priced you know, a little too high for my liking. I mean, I'd rather just go Baker and save myself $100. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so let's do some running back talk then. All right, Joe, off the top of your head, what's your, what's your most favorite first cash game? Almost, I would guess if it's going to be your favorite, your kind of lock of cash games at running back. Yeah, I think I wouldn't be completely on brand if I didn't start this podcast with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I just think that the the ceiling and floor you get from a guy that's going to get wide receiver one volume is just something that not many backs, not many people in the entire league can match. Um, so I think that there's people that will be kind of a little bit scared off of this defense, but they did lose in Dominican Sioux. Uh, they were seventh best last year against the run, but this is one of the one of the higher total games of the week. And I just think that if you're just targeting volume, you just really need to start at the top. Yeah, McCaffrey's a good call, and then you can pair him up with Chris Carson. I think Carson's a pretty good call. He's, he's probably going to be pretty chalky in tournaments, but we know what Seattle wants to do. They want to run the football. They're heavy home favorites. They've won 10 straight home openers, outscoring their opponents 238-74. to 74. <laughs> and They're going to score some points. They're going to lean on Carson here. There's talk about him being more involved in the passing game. We know about some of the his numbers last year, but really just fifth in rushing yards, fourth in rushing yards per game. He's the goal line back there. He's going to get a lot of opportunity, and I like his price a lot at $6,600. You know, I was almost going to have Chris Carson in my lineup, but spoiler alert, but I'm only going to mention one of them when we get to our lineups. I have three stud running backs, and one of them is Christian McCaffrey, who once I got to the flex and was like, wow, I saved too much money. I guess I'm going Christian McCaffrey. So spoiler alert there. I love the Christian McCaffrey one. I got to tell you, the second one, neither of you guys said this, and until I zoomed in on your video, Joe, I I wasn't sure if the 26 behind you was Barkley or... Le'Veon Bell, who Ooh. wants 50 touches, guys. He wants 50 touches. <laughs> Give it and to I, him. And I, I've all this thing. I know it's the Bills, but he's only $7,900. And that's just very, very appealing for me. It, ma- it makes me nervous, just the huge difference in offensive line play he's going behind in the, right. in New York now, uh, just his style in general. We've heard people well, talk about Well, not to jump on you here real quick, Joe, like just yeah. to, to cut you off, but let me ask you this. We always say don't overreact to preseason, but of all the concerns of the offensive line and the pace of this offense, both have looked good so far in the preseason. Yeah, that's very true. And it it still is always going to come down to volume too. So we're going to see right away how much they actually want to feature Le'Veon Bell. And and yeah, if he wants 50 touches, obviously he's in every lineup, no matter what his yards per carry is at that point. So 7,900 is a really solid price, especially when we're looking at that range and some of these other guys that might be a little bit more popular. Uh, Yeah, I think you'll probably get Le'Veon Bell at like sub 10% ownership, don't you think? I think so. And that's, that's part of the reason now, that's another spoiler. I'm basically going to give my lineup away before we even <laughs> that's, get That's usually it. what this show's all about. We talk about our favorite guys <laughs> and at the end of the day, they're, you know, they're in our lineups, but I mean, Love Bell could easily catch seven or eight balls in this game. Like, I mean, absolutely. kidding aside, if he's touching the ball 25 times a game, he's going to be in your lineup every single week until we turn into for everybody out there. That's going to be like, I can't just believe you brought up the NBA, but until it's the Russell Westbrook price, you know, if it finally became too much where you can't get him in your lineup. I mean, that's, that's honest. If it's 25 touches a game, you're putting in Levy and bell every single week. So Chris, your second 
or maybe another two or three that you're looking at cash game wise? Well, maybe Austin Eckler at $6,400. You know, obviously we know about Melvin Gordon and those two December games where Gordon didn't play. Eckler had 28 carries and 13 targets. I mean, I don't think any of us really believe in Justin Jackson. We, there could be a situation where he has a few more carries than him, but at least Eckler is going to be on the field more. He's going to play more snaps. He's going to be involved in the passing game. And at $6,400, like Joe mentioned earlier, there's just so much value with these week one prices. They've been out for a few weeks now and there's been some injuries. There's been some trades. There's been guys who've retired. So there's some value on the board. And I think Austin Eckler is, is I'm not overly excited about him as a tournament play, but I think there's a safe floor there. What are you guys doing with Chubb versus Dalvin Cook? I feel like that's one of the biggest questions is yeah. that we're just looking at ownership at running back and kind of that uh, mid to high end range. I, I have one clear guy that I like more than the other, but I'm curious what you think first, Jake. I am a very enormous fan of both players. And that's what makes this stuff is like, this is like Sophie's choice almost when these two come together. Uh, but the one thing I will tell you is I was looking at my, uh, Hey, look, I'm not trying to pimp my site on the flip side here, but if you're going to, I do APA adjusted points allowed. And the difference here between the two, and I'll give it to you is Minnesota, because I'm going to post this on the footballer site as well. Minnesota is going against Atlanta who allows the six most adjusted fantasy points per game. Cleveland goes against Tennessee who allows the third, Third least. And I'm not saying that Tennessee and these defenses are exactly what they were last year. There have been changes, and that's why I talk about it all the time. Changes are always made on offenses and defenses, both alike. But if you're going to tell me between the two when they're priced this close together, I'm just going to go pure matchup. If the matchups were very close, I could see a debate, but when they're that far apart, I'm going to go with the one facing the, the Falcons. Yeah, I think we're aligned here, actually, for for similar reasons. I, I'm a little bit nervous about Chubb because everyone wants to talk about how the Cleveland Browns were like an up-tempo team. They were definitely an up-tempo team the first half of the season, but the second half, fourth fewest plays, and Tennessee third fewest plays per game last year. They've only been outside of the bottom six in plays per game once in the last five seasons. So I'm a little bit nervous about the volume from Chubb in comparison to someone like Dalvin Cook, who we know they're going to run the ball there a ton. And then we talked about it a ton last year, but just Atlanta really struggles to defend running backs out of the passing game as well. So I think it's Dalvin for me. I'm definitely going Dalvin over Le'Veon, but it sounds like he might be on the other side of that. Yeah, the back-to-back years, they've allowed the most catches to running backs. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a trend that will probably continue. It's more of a scheme <laughs> thing at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, if we look at year after year after year, it's like, hey, the Seahawks are so good, but for some reason they can't defend the tight end. Same thing with the Broncos. Like, year after and despite they bring in other talent, it's just like they still can't stop. It's And it's almost the flip side of the Cardinals. The Cardinals have always been very good against tight ends, but it's because guess what? You have no problem running the ball or passing outside. So why do you even need the tight end? So it's kind of those things where year after year, you know, sometimes it's those kind of formations. Anybody else that you want to dig a little bit deeper for here? I mean, I'm looking at here. here let's just ask it. Let's ask the question. $6,900. If there was lo- no LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams would be in everybody's lineup at 6,900. Are you doing Damian Williams or do you consider him now more of a tournament play with LaShawn McCoy in town? Or are you on the side of the things where it's week one, LaShawn McCoy is not going to see that much work yet? I am one of you. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Tournament for me only. Like, certainly I don't expect Shady to get a ton of play in this game, but I I wouldn't play him in cast just in case. You don't know what Andy Reid's going to do, really. He's talked about all of these guys over the past few days. He's going to play Darwin Thompson. I mean, Darwin Thompson, who who knows? he, He should get a few touches, at least in this game. So, Absolutely not for me and Cash. I mean, I think he's with everything that's happened, you know, recently, he could come with a low ownership and he certainly has like tournament winning upside. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, you passed the buck. So let me ask you, Joe, I'm going to flip another one to you then. 
Unless you have a hot take on Damian Williams. No, more or, or less going to say, I think it's just going to be a frustrating backfield this year because there's going to be plenty of touchdowns that go around. It's just going to be really hard to pinpoint them. Yeah, and season long, I'm hoping Damian balls out and then you can sell high when people are like, oh, everything's going to be fine. So yeah, sell please, high I'm really hoping that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the name you neither of you guys brought up, and I'm actually a little bit surprised, Joe, because you brought this up as a counter argument to Lamar Jackson. It's Mark Ingram at $6,600. I don't know why more people are on Mark Ingram as a whole period. He was valuable as the backup to Kamara. Now he's the lead with the backup being Justice Hill in the Kamara role, but as a much lesser role. He's the lead now. He's the lead in a game where we expect, as you said, the Ravens to be in control by the second quarter. If that's not the case, then why wouldn't Mark Ingram be looking at a huge game here? I just have problems with Mark Ingram as a player, so probably a bias that I need to get over. Um, but yeah, I, I still think he's somewhat of a wild card, to be honest. Like, we, yeah, we're assuming he's going to be the lead back, but who knows what's going to happen at the goal line? Obviously, Lamar is obviously a threat to kind of take some of those touches away at times. But yeah, I mean, the matchup's great. Thirty first, sixty-six hundred. Yeah, he, he's in my he's in the DFS pass. I wrote him up as as in cash. There's a few running backs I wrote up, and he he is one of them for sure. It's it's so funny. You either love Mark Ingram or you hate him. Like or there's just Pat no Mayo. in between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want anything to do with Mark Ingram. And I, I do understand that, but I feel like he should get fifteen at least fifteen touches in this game. And we, Jake, we've talked about this before with Lamar Jackson and last year with Gus Gus Edwards. They tipped their hand. Like you knew that they weren't gonna pass the ball when Edwards was right. in there. So Lamar can call his own number, they can hand it off to Ingram. Ingram has had back to back seasons with fifty catches. Last year that didn't happen. The two years prior in, in New Orleans it did. So he could also catch a few balls for you. I have no problem with Ingram. All right. Fair enough. I like it. I got one guy behind me. I'm Mark Ingram, team Mark Ingram for life. It's just the only thing that could possibly do is go wrong. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's move to wide receivers. And I have, gosh, I, I, we might be able to do an entire show on cash game plays, I fe- at least in my opinion. I, I, Joe, you get to go up first on this one. What's your maybe favorite one or two that you're already looking at? The, the top guys, and then we'll get to more because I feel like, like I said, there's going to be a lot of options here. Yeah, can we just uh, just check the box for for Godwin and just call it a day? I feel like he's the guy that most people are just going to jam in one of their first players. Um, but yeah, the role in this offense is so secure for Godwin. I mentioned how much I love this Tampa Bay game in general. He's probably going to be the highest owned. I would imagine um, Mike Evans will be right up there as well. And OJ Howard will get to a tight end. Like All of these guys, I feel like, are in play. Um, Godwin is probably a cash game staple for me this week. You can make an argument in tournaments to get away from him, but I just feel like... like That's he, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, So, but I mean, it's six career games, 80% of the offensive snaps. So we're just talking about those games only, and we extrapolated over an entire season. He's over 1,000 yards, and he's hitting almost 10 touchdowns. So like, I, I just think he's a guy that uh, I'm not willing to wait a couple weeks on. I want to get there early before his price goes up. Yeah, it's a good call. I, I actually wondered, and I wrote this in the DFS pass as well, if Mike Evans would come with a lower ownership in tournaments than Godwin, because uh, there's a, good, a lot of a hype. Man. Hey, Chris, did you write a DFS pass, by the way? Yeah, I might mention it once more. Once more, <laughs> like guaranteed. Uh, but yeah, I like that as well. Godwin, Evans, you can't go wrong with either of those guys. And then there's another game I'd like to target, and that's Carolina and LA. And he's all like... I said that there could be a few touchdowns in the San Fran Tampa game. It certainly could be the case here too. So I like Robert Woods. I know Woods and Cooks are priced, you know, at the exact same on Fandle at 7K. Cooks has this, the higher ceiling. He's more that tournament guy. But Robert Woods last season, I mean, it was like seven targets. It, it just seemed like every single week you knew what you were getting. Seven targets, five catches, about 70 yards. And he was pretty consistent last season. So he stays in the field. He's he's good blocking. And, you know, they can 
easy completions no, for no Goff. Cup, like, who actually averaged the most because he's the red zone guy? Yeah, he is the red zone guy, but I, I wonder, you know, there's been some talk at a camp that, you know, he may be scaled back to start the season. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know if he's going to have a full workload, but I know Robert Woods will, so he's a little bit safer for me. All right, before we go back to you, Joe, let me stick in this game then. You talked about it. Are you on the Carolina side at all? And if so, are you buying into the Curtis Samuel hype train that's like flying off cliffs at this point? Or are you uh, DJ Moore is still the number one? Yeah, I guess that's kind of a question I have for you guys. How high owned do you feel like Curtis Samuel will be? Do you think the hype's gotten that out of control? Or are we still just like in our our bubble think that like the Curtis Samuels and Godwins of the world are just going to be like 30 plus percent? I guess, would you say that? Are we saying our bubble is in the Matt Harmon, everybody who knows him bubble? Yeah. He, he gets literally gets like everyone that he likes is gets the highest owned in week one. I feel like it's not just him. I feel like Curtis Samuel, Chris and I have talked about this before. I feel like Chris, Curtis Samuel has actually surpassed DJ Moore in fanmanship. I don't really know, like whatever the word you want to call it, like fan love, fantasy love, whatever it is. And for that reason, to your point, there's three hundred dollars, so you would have to find some savings somewhere if you'd only have a hundred bucks left over. But I would find a way to get DJ Moore if it's a tournament. I find a way to get DJ Moore in before I did Curtis Samuel. Same. I agree. Yeah. And again, ownership between the two. I think that the buzz is with Curtis Samuel. Uh, I think it was with DJ Moore early on in the offseason, and I think it's it's switched uh, to Samuel lately. I have no problem with either of these guys, but I think the ceiling is higher for DJ Moore. I think this is a, a situation too where like we, we'll talk about it, but early in the season, like we think we know so much more than we actually do. Like we're going to talk about like no offense to Matt Harmon. Like I obviously like I, I'm, I'm really big on <laughs> Joe, hate, Joe hates well, Matt Harmon, <laughs> but just, just in, insane that if he's going to be that much higher owned than uh, some of the other members of this offense, like this, this is the type of situation where you pivot in tournaments. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's the biggest thing, too. And we're going to talk about that when we do tournament lineups is that I actually said the same in my article and somebody was pushed back. Ah, what are you? You're insane. That's so myopic, myopic to fade. And I'll tell you the name at the point. But to your point, this is it's context. But all right. So for one of the names that hasn't been brought up yet that I think would be a staple in pretty much 90 percent of my lineups, because I like to diversify a little bit, even in cash. D.D. Westbrook, guys. I mean, D.D. Westbrook, and it's not just like, I'm not, oh, week three, Nick Foles threw his way 17 times. No, it's D.D. Westbrook. Chris knows this. I want to get your opinion, Joe. I called him, and because I don't like poor mans when I'm trying to compliment somebody because poor man sounds like you're trying to knock the player. So for when I'm trying to put a positive spin, but he's not quite the talent, I call him Antonio Brown light instead of the poor man's Antonio Brown, because poor man sounds disrespectful. So I'm looking at him at 5,900. If you think the Chiefs are going to push this pace and be able to overcome the Jaguars defense at all, D.D. Westbrook should be in 100% of your lineups. Yeah, and I'm so glad football's back. You said D.D. Westbrook, Cooper Cup. Like, these are my guys that we're talking about. I'm so like I'm so excited for this week. But yeah, D.D. is like a guy that, I mean, yeah, we don't kind of want to overreact to the preseason, but there is definitely a connection there between him and Nick Foles. And I think he's got a, a super high ceiling, just that this Chiefs defense is still bad, right? So like, we're going we're gonna to see them kind of push the pace as far as the points are, cons- are considered, but they're not a huge dog in this game either. So I love to target these kind of games that I think there's going to be points scored, but the spread isn't extremely high to keep passing going on both sides something has to be said for slot wideouts and and at least in cash and early on dd Westbrook is is 59 and, and you have to yeah we'll, we'll take the preseason with a grain of salt but i watched the four drives from nick Foles. he threw the ball 10 times seven times went to dd Westbrook. and there's another guy even cheaper than that if you're just looking for that punt play i know it's cash but you don't put him in your flex is cole beasley at 4800 dollars another ah, guy why not supposed to bring his name up what, you were gonna save him 
And I told you, like, my, my entire lineup is going to be exposed. But <laughs> oh. I feel like mine is as well. We've talked about everybody in it. But I mean, Cole Beasley at $4,800. Again, preseason. I think he played just under 40 snaps. He had eight targets, seven catches, 71 yards for, for Josh Allen. I know it's not a phenomenal. I mean, the Jets are not a great defense. Both of these teams are not going to probably score a lot of points. But I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, DD and Beasley come away with a combined well, like 15 catches. Here's the thing about Cole Beasley, and I'm not the first person to say it. I'm not the only person to say it. So I know everybody's shocked that I would say something. And like, oh, I was trying to tell you guys because that's all anybody wants to say I ever say. But the thing with Cole Beasley, so the reason I like him so much, especially with Josh Allen, is because there's the Cam Newton comparison that somebody else drew first and made, like I said, credit to them. It's the fact of Cam Newton, the assumption was, hey, just bring in big guys because he's inaccurate and then they can, they can catch everything. That's why it was Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches and all these guys. And until it was the Steve Smiths of the world, it was until these smaller guys started coming in, and now it's DJ Moore, and now Curtis Samuel. We've seen last year, Cam Newton had his highest completion percentage ever. He was the most accurate ever. And it wasn't that he was that much more accurate. It's just that fits that mold. And they're making that copycat system. You got the Sean McDermott situation. You've got all this copycat of, like, let's look at Cam Newton. And Josh Allen, for all intents and purposes, is Cam Newton. And you bring in a Cole Beasley. John Brown can still stretch the field, but John Brown is a lot more better of a receiver than Zay Jones and Robert Foster. You bring in that blanket, you improve and get some easy completions out of the gate. You get some comfort level. And I actually, Chris knows this. I think Cole Beasley leads this team in receptions this year, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There's actually some data out there that says that younger quarterbacks tend to throw to the tight end or shorter areas of the field more often, probably because there's so much more analytics out there. They just know these passes, these short passes are a lot more efficient. But if they're trying to keep Allen healthier this year, it makes sense that they brought in someone that can kind of take those dump offs um, from him. So I'm with you on Cole Beasley, especially at 4,800 on FanDuel. He just opens up so much. It allows you to get up to some of those running backs we talked about. All right, anybody else before we move into tight ends? No names we got to. What about no, Mike? No. What, what about our boy Michael Gallup? Uh, we talked about uh, some of those other guys, but I, I still think that in that same range, if we're looking for a pivot, like I guess maybe I'm a little bit clouded by what he did in the postseason last year. I mean, he was targeted 15 times in their yes. two playoff games. So I mean, everyone, yeah, Amari Cooper's trying to get that new deal. I get that he was a fantastic with Dak um, at the second half of last season. But I mean, if Gallup takes a step this year, like. Again, another guy that I want to get in on before his price starts to go up. I love Gallup as a talent. I will feel a lot better. I would actually put him in a lot of my lineups if Amari Cooper is even limited in Friday's practice. If Cooper's 100%, I just worry that this game, even with Zeke coming back and not getting his full complement of workload, I just don't know that the Giants are going to be very competitive this year. And if so, I kind of see it similar to the Seattle seahawks uh, Bengals game is that are they going to even need to pass that much? And it's coming from Dak Prescott, which is a muted passing attack to begin with. But for your point, I am a big Michael Gallup fan as a whole. Yeah, three for three, I'm a big fan too. You can look at it this way, though. Like, we're targeting a guy like Cole Beasley who's going to see all these, like, short underneath PPR targets. But there's a lot of value, especially on a guy like, uh, on a site like FanDuel for these guys that can catch some of these higher ADOT targets as well. So, I mean, mean, uh, he can kind of make his entire value off a couple couple of deep tasks. So I think that he's at least in play in tournaments if we're trying to get uh, look guys. Well, we're going to talk tournaments for sure. Yeah, I do like that. more. And the secondary of the Giants worries me a hell of a lot more than Cole Beasley facing the Jets, especially because of the Jets slot situation hasn't changed. And it was one of the most exploitable opportunities you could find last year. So, all right. So let's talk tight ends. Uh, actually, you want to stick in this game? Because one of, I'll go first on this one. One of my favorites is because for all intents and purposes, as of today, he's probably the Giants number one 
quote unquote receiver. And that's Evan Ingram. Like Evan Ingram, I think is going to be the Giants number one wide receiver until Golden Tate gets out there. And that, even at that point, he still might be. Yeah, nothing else really to say. I, I yeah, I love Ingram. And I go back to a couple years ago when Odell Beckham Jr. was sidelined and he was hurt for most of that season. I mean, he had 115 targets, Ingram, and he was the only guy right. who's catching all those passes. So, yeah, you just like Chris, to it, no tape. Why aren't we talking to them in the same mold of like the Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz? Is that those three guys are their team's number ones, quote unquote, receiver? Well, I guess I mean, you can make an argument for Tyreek Hill sure. and Kelsey, but at least Kittle and Ertz. Like, why, why isn't Ingram in that conversation? Is it just because of the Giants' mystique and Eli Manning? Yeah, maybe. And I, I would assume, honestly, you know, maybe this time next week, we're seeing uh, a jump in, in Ingram's price. At least maybe he's not in that 7K range. Maybe he's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, and then by week three, week four, he's right into that range. Because if he does have that kind of usage where he has over 115 targets and he catches 70 balls, he belongs in that range of, of that top tier. He doesn't quite have that Kelsey ceiling, but he's going to get a lot of looks, especially early on. Ingram, I, I can already tell he's going to be a really kind of struggle for me all season because one of the things I value the most at tight end is a high team total because we need touchdowns from these guys that aren't going to be seeing near as many many targets as the wide receivers and the Giants are just never going to have a high team total. It's just not going to happen. So if people are just going to kind of flail that direction, I'm either going to try and pay up for Travis Kelsey or pay around the same range for someone like OJ Howard in a much better game environment with a much higher team total. Yeah, that's fair. So you're leaning near Jay Howard? Yeah, for sure. Just because I think that the pace in that game, you can make an argument that this Tampa Bay and San Francisco game is going to be the highest paced most plays of the entire uh, the entire week. So, I mean, that higher team total is something that I prefer, especially if we're talking cash games. I mean, I definitely get it from a target share perspective. There really isn't a lot else there. Um, I think I'm going to probably end up on OJ Howard. Though. There's not a lot to like Would from you... this position anyways, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, was, I was just about to say, are you paying down in cash anywhere? Because there's once you get past the big six, and that's including Hunter Henry, who's actually three... And to be honest with you, I like Evan Ingram a ton. I actually feel like he's a little bit of a pivot because 300 less gets you Hunter Henry. And my concerns of that offensive line means more short game for Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler, and obviously Justin Jack. I'm actually legitimately concerned about Mike Williams for at least the immediate future until we see the offensive line play at all well. But all that being said is after these big six, are there any names that you guys are looking at? Because... I mean, honestly, I'm looking down the list, and for me, outside of maybe Delaney Walker, but we're hoping he's 100%, and that quarterback play can be anything better than what we've seen in the preseason. There's just not a lot to like at the position, as you said. No, Chris. there really isn't. Th- those names you hit on, the the big, you know, the first six. I'm not going to be in on Kelsey this week, but Kittle, for sure, Howard, Ingram. Um, you know, I thought about Delaney Walker, and we know the connection between him and Marcus Mariota. Forget last season, Walker was hurt, but, you know, it was two back-to-back years where he had at least 100 targets from... Actually, it was three straight years where he had at least 100 targets from Marcus Mariota. It's just... It's nothing really to get excited about with this Titans offense. And if you've watched Mariota, it's almost like he's taken a couple steps back, if you could imagine, like that being a possibility. You know, watching him in the preseason, it just did not look good. So I actually like the Browns defense. But those are just those few guys. I mean, you're going to have to spend up for the tight end, I think. Yeah, spending up at tight end too, like uh, on certain kind of weeks last year, there was such a big difference between like Travis Kelsey's price and some of the high priced wide receivers that it made sense if he was kind of coming at a little bit of a discount. It's not really happening anymore. He's 7,800. Some of the top wide receivers are, I mean, there's only uh, three guys priced ahead of him on the main slate. So I, I think that that's uh, an interesting dynamic. I, I don't remember seeing Kelsey at 7,800 last year on FanDuel. Do you guys? No, no. It's pretty no. high. Yeah, he's, he's usually around <laughs> yeah. that right where Kittle is. He's Kittle an elite wide receiver yeah, he here. Is. Yeah, he is. He's all by himself. 
All right, so defenses for you guys. Or is it just the big three? Oh, well, you mentioned a fourth one. I was going to say it's Ravens, Eagles, and Seahawks. Is there anybody else? But you already brought up the Browns. Yeah, I mean, Bears. I don't mind the Browns again because I, I kind of predict a game script where maybe Cleveland gets up early, a couple touchdowns, and they have to get away from what they want to do in Tennessee, and that's run the ball with Derrick Henry. And if Marcus Mariota is going to have the ball in his hands and throw in the ball, we know about Cleveland. They can dial up some pressure, and that's what I'm looking for. Eagles, team that's going to get up in, up in the game, attack the quarterback, dial up some pressure, create some turnovers, and just move on that way. So they're the they're the cheapest of the bunch. I mean, you really... You got me rethinking my pick. Well, I, who do you got? I, I really like the Eagles until like everything you're... I mean, I took Miles Garrett as my defensive player of the year and talked about getting after the quarterback and for more pressure of turnovers. The reason I initially went with the Eagles is for the turnovers because it's, it's Case right. Keenum. But I mean, honestly, that could just be a three-point beat down with not even many turnovers they just control the game and for fantasy purposes on dfs fanduel especially you know a three point with not a lot of turnovers game is not going to do much for you scoring wise you kind of want those and i i might actually lean what are you thinking joe yeah, it, it's kind of a, it's tough once you get past that top tier. Like I, I can see a, an argument for paying almost all the way down for someone like Indianapolis on the other side of that team. Like every, a lot of people are going to play the Chargers in that same game, right? So pivoting at defense is something that I like to do. I mean, if we really want to try and target um, bad quarterbacks, quarterbacks that take sacks, the problem is like Tampa Bay doesn't pressure a whole lot. I would love to target Jimmy Garoppolo who's taking a lot of sacks, but you could kind of go after uh, Lamar Jackson with Miami. I, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to use the Giants against Dak. So some of these guys that normally take a lot of sacks aren't in great spots either. Yeah, that's true. All right. So anybody else before we move on and do some GPP talk? Let's do some GPP Good. talk. Thumbs up. Let's, let's, let's do some GPPs. You down with GPP? A hundred percent. And I hope you are down with my quarterback GPP, but I'm going to see if either of you mentioned him. I have a feeling one of you has to, but Joe, GPP quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up with a lot of exposure to this game, but uh, Cam Newton, I, I think that he's interesting. Ah. I think everyone's a little bit nervous with this preseason foot sprain, and I think that those are the situations where you do want to kind of uh, attack these guys if you can get an ownership discount on them, pair them with McCaffrey, pair them with Samuel, DJ Moore. It's very stackable, in my opinion. Like, yeah, they weren't that fast paced, 15th, so right in the middle, but. Um, I mean, if we're just looking at weeks one through seven last year, Cam was a number four quarterback in terms of FanDuel points per game. Um, so I do think that that shoulder injury uh, last year definitely hindered his ability to throw deep. But uh, I'm interested in Cam Newton and GPPs in week one if people are scared. Yeah, I, and I think people may be scared, actually. And I like that call by you, Joe. And I would attack it from both sides. I mean, I don't even hate golf. So, I mean, one of the two. I think that the two highest scoring games is this one. And again, to that Tampa Bay one, we already talked about Jameis Winston. So I like Winston. I'll throw out another one, Carson Wentz. I mean, I think everyone's a little scared to use him. You know, we, we haven't seen him play in a while. Who knows if he takes a shot right away and then he comes out. It's it's definitely a possibility. So that's why he's a, he's a tournament player. And and it's tough to pair up which guy. Like, there's just so many weapons there, and that I feel like we've talked about this before. Jake, just play Carson Wentz, and you don't need to pair him up with anybody else. I mean, he's got Zach Ertz as his favorite target. Hey, say the same. No, I'm saying it, it for you. And then he's got and then he's got <laughs> Jeffrey. He's got two backs in there that can catch. I guess Sproles you can include. There's just a lot to like Philly with one of the highest team implied totals. Twenty eight point five is is I think the highest on the board for any home team on the main slate. So it tied with New England. So and that they're actually on the the later slate. So yeah, I mean I think Philly could get to that that number and it wouldn't probably involve three or four passing touchdowns from once. 
Yeah, I want I want you to say buy the cake, not hey. the icing. That's what you want to do. There it is. Yeah, That's the, it. the buying the quarterback and not trying to figure out the other weapons. You just buy the cake. Uh, so I scrolled immediately down. I kept scrolling until I found his name. <laughs> And I checked the price afterwards because I just want to make sure he wasn't close to anybody. And he's not really because he's 400 less than Kyler Murray. It's Josh freaking Allen, guys. Like, come on. I like, we need to be on this Josh Allen bandwagon. And I, Chris knows this. I blasted the guy out of college. I still do. I still, I said, everybody talks about throwing into windows with its quarterbacks. I said, he can throw it into a peephole. He can't hit the damn door. And that's true. That's why they brought in Cole Beasley. They're trying to make him a better passer and better decision maker. But the truth is, it's the rushing upside. He is Cam Newton. He is Cam Newton. And the fact that you look at the game, the two games against Miami to finish last season, including a game against the Jets where he threw two picks and still scored 20 points. He didn't even throw for a touchdown in that game. So if he's just a mediocre quarterback, I, I, I'm all over Josh Allen. If he's only $6,900, I actually like both of your guys' picks if you're going to spend more for your tournament play. But if you're looking to save at your tournament play, which is why the rest of my lineup is very appealing at running back, I'm going Josh. It's Allen. the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and you save yourself 500 bucks. It's the same sort of feel. He was a very popular guy for us towards the end of the season on this show. And yeah, safe floor, highest A dot in the league. And he's going to chuck a couple up to Brown. Do you pair him up with Brown? Like, do you do that, Jake? Or are you just going to roll out? No, I pair him with Cole you Beasley. You pair him with Cole Beasley. Fine. Yeah, sure. And, and he led his team in red zone rushing attempts last season. <laughs> like, he's, he's going to call his own numbers still. And that offensive line is a lot better. I wonder if. Maybe he won't scramble as much, but he still should finish with, you know, about 40 rushing yards at least, I would think. Yeah, you mentioned you guys were on him last year towards the end of the year, weeks 12 through 17, number one fantasy quarterback, Josh Allen. So interesting there. Uh, the Jets were actually six most fantasy points against the quarterbacks last year. So yeah, he's on my list. Uh, anytime you get a guy that just wants to throw deep and wants to run, and those are his first two reads, uh, it's going to be a good situation for GPPs. Yeah, I actually don't mind the Josh Brown pairing, but it's that's a little bit more expensive is why I went with Cole Beasley. All right, so running backs, GPP plays. Chris, you're up first this time. All right, well, we talked about a lot of my favorites already, but um, you know, why, why not Todd Gurley? I mean, when's the last time we've seen Todd Gurley at $7,600? Yeah. This is a pretty crazy price, and Jake, you and I talked about this earlier in the week. If if there's going to be a game narrative. where yeah, Todd Gurley is healthy, yeah, narrative too, but if there's going to be a game where Todd Gurley is healthy, it's going to be week one, isn't it? He's had <laughs> the whole summer off. I don't fully believe in this guy that he can stay healthy throughout the whole season. But again, I've alluded to this high total game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. And I'm going to take advantage of this price and Gurley and all of the offseason noise that maybe he can't hold up. So I, I wonder what his ownership will be like. Maybe, Joe, you want to touch on that. But uh, I think you know we're getting him at this price, an opportunity potentially with low ownership. And we know about the ceiling. Well, the narrative I'm saying, Joe, so you know, is what Chris and I talked about. I said, the fact is, if there's any week, and Pat Mayo said the same thing, so I want to give credit to him, is that if there's any week where we got Sean McVay saying, like, screw you guys, he's fine, I'll prove it to you, and he scores two touchdowns, it would be week one. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered the girly thing. I'm, I'm just happy that you guys asked me back on the show because in the playoff DFS week <laughs> last year, I just basically told everyone we, to just go back to the well um, with uh, him after his poor performance with the, the CJ Anderson week. Uh, so that kind of blew up in my face. So I'm glad Chris got to bring him up and I didn't have to. Uh, the other guy in GPPs that we haven't touched on yet that I really like is Leonard Fournette. Um, we talk about his preseason usage in the passing game. Really like to see that. Uh, and this game and pace just sets up so well the game. So second most plays per game as far as Kansas City's games this year. So I do think that Leonard Fournette is a hashtag slim down, I guess, if that matters to you. He's someone that could be a little bit more mobile. We'll see. 
uh, always an injury risk with him, but I always like to kind of go after these pass catching backs when with slight home underdogs, uh, just because just historically they prove uh, to kind of perform above expectation with that extra. He may be the poster boy for DFS, Jake, because nobody wants to draft him in season long leagues because they know they're going to get hurt. But the truth of the matter is he's got 16 touchdowns in 21 games. When this guy plays, he's productive. And so it's a very good point. Real quick before we move the wide receiver, we didn't bring him up in cash and nobody brought him up in tournament either. No carry on Johnson love. Yes. Is it the price? Guess, or? guess where he's written up. In the DFS, in the DFS pass, pass, which you can save 10% on ding, ding, ding. with the code podcast, yeah. by the way. I mean, we talked about pace earlier, but we know what Detroit wants to do. And if they want to keep Kyler Murray and that offense off the field. Here's my the theory, Chris. If you go to FanDuel. And you look at all the players, for some reason, all the Lions players, you see their entire chest and their jerseys are blanked out. <laughs> I, think that, I think maybe that's, it's like a perception thing. That's I true. didn't notice that. I'm looking right yeah, now. Look, it's absolutely true. Every single Lions player. It's well, the, I want to know why you have a Lions player in your lineup. Well, there's no pitcher for Ronald well, Jones. I mean, he's just gone. No, no, but look at all the Lions. For some reason, they're zoomed out on and they're zoomed out and you can see their entire jersey, which has nothing Interesting. on it. Interesting. Yeah. That's so Carry weird. I, I'm with you. I'm with you though, Chris. Though, like, I, I he he was on my list. If we're just talking about what Detroit wants to do, like Stafford threw his fewest passes since 2010 last year. So uh, I think people again, like we're talking GPPs, people were a little bit scared with his usage in the preseason. All the carry on love um, was really hyped up in the beginning of the off season, and it kind of tailed off a little bit. So those are the type of situations uh, to kind of watch for in GPPs early. Yeah, five point four yards per carry. I mean, Arizona coughed up the most fantasy points of running backs last year at league high 20 rushing touchdowns so yeah carry on should get a lot of usage and plus you get to say the carry on my wayward son which everybody has done at this point and it's just playing so- for a logo on his <laughs> but, all right yeah because he's playing well yeah it's motivation he needs to get his number he needs to earn his number apparently by the coaches all right so why receivers you know what i'm gonna go first on this one because you said joe why would you want to play any lions uh, I'll play Kenny Galladay. I'll 100% play Kenny Galladay against this Arizona defense for the price that he's at because for the price that he's at, I'm actually considering both him and Marvin Jones. Again, look, it's a tournament play. I don't, I'm not loving the Lions offense. The pace of play is among the worst. You're 100% right, Joe. But if you're looking at tournament and if you're looking at the Arizona defense and you're looking at actually all the matchups Jones is going to get Brock who is still not that good but of all the worst corner matchups it's actually Chris Jones who should be on Kenny Galladay I think Kenny Galladay could be what people want him to be and that's a new dominant wide receiver yeah, I was actually on another wide receiver in this game in a similar range, Christian Kirk. Uh, I think a lot of people still like the narrative is that Larry Fitzgerald is still going to kind of consume most of those uh, targets. Nah, Christian and, Kirk's number one, and that's possible, right? But I mean, Kurt, I mean, he definitely has a higher ceiling, right? Like his uh, like his playmaking ability is what I want in GPPs, and his price tag is someone that uh, a lot again, like wide receiver is the position where I want to be paying down for upside so that I can get up to the safety of some of those elite running backs. Yeah, I like both of those calls. No Patrick. Peterson and Galladay. I mean, he just finished 10 targets per game over his final seven contests, had at least 13 and three of those games. Great spot for him. Uh, what's the feeling? And I, I think I know this answer. Dante Pettis, Jake, Jake's going to poo poo it. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel, yes. but I think everybody is down on this guy. It's crazy how much it has switched. Everyone loves Pettis breakout guy season long leagues, no. <laughs> 20th wide receiver off the board. Now everyone hates him going late forties, but there's been so much talk with Shanahan, you know, 
what are we going to get from this guy? He needs to step it up. He needs to pick it up. And then recently, oh, he's our number one for sure. I mean, we can play him in the slot. We, he's, he could do running back. He could do it all. He could do absolutely everything. Again, I just want to attack this game. Both of these teams, like they just allowed so many touchdowns. It combined 49 touchdowns to wide receivers alone last season. So at 6-5, that's kind of up in that price where the hype was real that maybe people were like shy away from him. He's got this little groin tag next to his name. Like keep an eye on that, obviously heading into the weekend, but I actually don't mind taking a shot on him knowing that I think a lot of people will be out and there's going to be some points scored here. Well, that's a, so that's the Pettis thing is a really good point as a whole, as in the perception, because you bring up, you say, I know how what Jake's going to say, but you actually don't because I've switched stances because no, no, this, here's the truth. I had Dante Pettis as one of my busts for the NFL season. We wrote an article back in June. I have continued to be down on Dante Pettis because I thought drafting him as a top 30 wide receiver was a huge mistake because of Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played quarterback with a lot of these guys for an entire season. Jimmy Garoppolo's touchdown percentage hasn't been very high since he started with this team. So that was my entire point. Chris knows it. My entire point was there's so many questions with this offense. We can't assume anything. And the hype had just gotten so overblown. But to your point with this report coming out for the fact that he's banged up for the fact that quote unquote, he has to earn a role. It's decreased so much that now I'm on team Dante Pettis because it's perception. It's shifted so dramatically. It's not just a small turn. I mean, it's the cliche. The tide has turned. And if you're talking about this range, I brought up Mike Williams before, even for a hundred bucks more, I'd rather play Dante Pettis than over Mike Williams at this point, Joe. Yeah, so Pettis, and and you said it, his leverage alone, just because of the narrative surrounding him, should be extremely high. I think he's too expensive, but again, that's just going to lead to to lower ownership. I actually don't mind going down to Marquise Goodwin. You you save 1100 on FanDuel with doing that. I, I prefer getting access to Marquise Goodwin and that uh, kind of big play upside when I'm paying down at wide receiver, but I get it with Pettis, and I also think that's a really good point that you said about that questionable tag. That's just going to lead casual people. Yeah, and a small sample size, but Jimmy G had a pretty good connection with Goodwin, you know, taking those shots downfield. He's another guy, you know, fits into that mold of John Brown and Deshaun Jackson. You're just hoping for that big bomb and certainly possible. I will tell you one to stay away from though. And when you see a questionable tag, like you, to Chris's point, a lot of time that's where you can attack because people just see it and I'll sit there the entire week and then people just don't own the player. If Stefan Diggs is questionable in practice on Friday, just stay away. Stefan Diggs, when questionable, has been miserable performance-wise. So we haven't talked about Thielen, who obviously had that huge start last season. What was it, like eight eight games in a row with like... Oh, yeah. If Stefan Dix is... That's a really good point. If Stefan Dix is banged up on Friday, I'm going to slot Thielen in. At least in cash, I think you got to. He's probably a good opportunity for a ton of targets without Dix. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, I, I was. I've been kind of ignoring Thielen. He's a he's a like top three in my model right now, and I, I just like am conditioned to pay down at wide receiver. But yeah, if Diggs is out, like the the targets that he was peppered with early last year, like he we're doesn't all wor- have to be out, just banged up. That's true, but we're we're worried about just the scheme difference in Minnesota right. this year compared to last year, right? Like that was my biggest concern with Thielen. But I mean, yeah, it gets to a point where you got to at least consider him, especially if Diggs is banged up. All right, so tournament tight ends. I mean, is there anybody? We kind of covered so many people and said that we just don't like the position in general. I mean, is there a tournament play that you have here, Joe? Yeah, uh, I mean, if you really wanted to go all the way down, like we talked kind of in that Delaney Walker range, you could go to Mark Andrews. I don't love it, uh, but there's, I mean, at least there's someone that I we know, Lamar. further. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, there's, there's probably ways you can. It's there's Jackson's like, he's thrown to Mark Andrews at least. And you can't say that about basically anyone else on the team because he doesn't throw to anyone. Uh, So if there's only going to be a low volume and I hate attacking this side of this game, uh, but I think Mark Andrews, if you really wanted to pay all the way down is at least in play against Miami. You're going to go further down, Chris, and name my boy. I I don't even know who, oh, Waller. No, he's not even (laughs) on the the slate. I don't even know who who your boy is right now, to be honest. Well then, you name your guys. I'm gonna go. I'm going even further yeah, down. He's it, not really like my boy. I was just. It was yeah, I know. It's it's tough. It really is. I think honestly, I, I'm just gonna spend up. I usually like to get nuts here. The listeners know I like to get crazy with the tight ends. I mean, Gary Barnage was my coming out party on this show uh, years ago. You know, Jordan Reed always lights up the Eagles. Always, he's dealing with that concussion. It could take one shot, and all of a sudden he's out. Your day. Put Vernon Davis in if he's out. Yeah, that's a good call. I was gonna go there if if he is out. I know he was limited in practice on Wednesday. If he is out, I w- I would go Vernon. Davis, but yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your guy because man, it's it's slim pickings right there. I'm I'm going super. This is is almost min. It's 4500. So if you want to really dig down for this one, this is a pure like. If I had ten lineups, he'd be in one. He'd be in one sole lineup. But against the Chiefs, Jeff Swaim, come on. <laughs> Come on, get get on the swaying wow. train. Yeah, wow, right? It's wow. And you know what? No, Josh Oliver. He's not going to play in this game. And that was the connection exactly. I saw early on with Nick Foles. I know he loves Marquise Lee is not 100%. Yeah. Keelan Cole is nothing it's anymore. Not DJ Chark has been banged up. I didn't I'm know that saying. was your boy. But yeah, he's, he's not. No, no he's not. I said he might be your boy after this weekend. We, week, week one and Jeff Swain <laughs> is already one of our guys. Like, I think that the, the guys are going to hear this and this will be our last podcast. So it was really fun. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> Mike's going to be back next week. Uh, he knows. <laughs> Sorry. He, knows. he yeah, never everybody. ever wants to tee up the tight end position. You understand what it's all about. Uh, all right. So any, were we looking at defense, any tournament defenses that you're thinking of? Are we kind of. Yeah. It's the every same. possible defense that you can yeah, think all of. the same for me. I think the lowest I would go down the board. Uh, I know Joe talked about the Colts, but the lowest maybe I would go is, is Chargers. I'd probably go that way. And But for the most part, I'm going to spend up for the, the Eagles and the, the Seahawks and the Browns of the world. Yeah, I think no, I think possibly. as far down as you can possibly go is, is probably the Colts, and I don't even love that. The, the great thing about FanDuel is these salaries are so tightly clustered outside of like Baltimore and stuff and uh, Philly at the top, so it really doesn't cost you a lot to get up to some much better spots. Right, it's, it doesn't really make much sense to try to go too far. The one I'll throw out, and because the defense is one awful and nobody's going to be looking at them, but we keep talking about this game, the 49ers and the Buccaneers. What if the 49ers are so aggressive and pass heavy and Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he did when he threw five picks in practice? Granted, it was practice and not a preseason game, but I'm just saying, Jimmy Garoppolo is still rusty and passing a ton to try and keep pace with the Buccaneers, and all of a sudden the Buccaneers get three picks and turn one that's, into a touchdown. That's not I'm a bad not call. Saying I that's not a bad it. call, Jake. Because this, right. yeah, and as much as I've said that there could be five or six touchdowns in this game, there could be five or six interceptions too, right? I mean, both of these quarterbacks, at least what we saw from Jimmy G yeah, and Winston, I mean, got sacked five times in a preseason game. So I think that they're, this point total at 50 could easily get hit, and we could see a couple defensive touchdowns, and that would that's thinking outside the box, box in a tournament. I like that. Yeah, we should mention it too, since it is week one, that like it doesn't matter what these teams are implied for. If they have a high implied total, that's not what matters at defense. What matters is pressure, pass attempts, and turnovers. And yeah, that, that checks a lot of those boxes. So I'm fine with it. All right, then let's talk some of our stacks for this week. Stack attack. 
Stack attack time. I, I, I feel like I've gone to Joe a couple times first recently. So, Chris, you get to go first with your stack attack. Good, I'm going to steal Joe's probably <laughs> because it was Jameis no. and Evans. No. <laughs> Jameis and Evans, you could do the mega. We talked about Godwin. We talked about OJ Howard. Um, yeah, I, th- I really like Tampa in this situation. I think Jameis is, is one of the most underrated fantasy quarterbacks. People look at him in real life and they just think he sucks, which is fair, whatever. But in fantasy, he's going to throw the ball. They can't run it. The line is brutal. Just get it out to some of the weapons. So that Tampa's kind of my stack. Sorry, Joe. Hmm. Did you just take yours, Joe? Was that yours? That was mine, yeah. but I mean, I, 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 I'm I'm frazzled now. No, it's uh, I, I think that we could we haven't talked enough about the passing game uh, for for as far as Goff and going to guys like Cooper Cup. We talked about Cooper Cup earlier, but probably not enough. I, I still think that the chemistry that they had in the red zone is at least interesting in tournaments. So this Rams team, I'm going to go Goff to Cup uh, for a GPP stack. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have a third one? Just because you know you, you were already put on the ropes over there by Chris stealing yours. Well, more or less what I was going to kind of allude to with uh, almost like a full stack for Tampa Bay. If you go something like Winston, Evans, OJ Howard, leave Godwin off. That's one thing that that's can really, smart. That, that's something that can be sharp in, in tournaments. I, I still always go back to two years ago. There was a, a week where um, Doug Baldwin was like massive chalk and the guy that won the Million Makers who had the full Seattle Seahawks stack without Doug Baldwin. So I always think about that when some of these wide receivers get super chalky in the mid range. So I'm glad you said that because that pivots straight into mine perfectly because my that, my stack for the Panthers leaves out Curtis Samuel. I would go Cam Newton, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey. Also because it's a pretty expensive stack, which means you're going to eliminate a lot of people trying to get on that same page because it's so pricey at three positions. Uh, DJ Moore relatively pricey, but it's not the same of where you're trying to go with like, I'm not saying you're a Buffalo stack, but you know, you save with Book Cole Beasley. I think Carolina, people are going to own Carolina. I don't think a lot of people are going to go jip three times. And if they are, they're going to go with Curtis Samuel to save the money. Yeah, you're probably right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like the three. Good three from you. Can I get anybody on an Arizona Cardinal stack? Kyler, David Johnson, and Christian Kirk? That's awful. We even mentioned David Johnson know, once. Yeah. That's got to be like blasphemous. I know. I brought his name podcast. up at this point just because I was like, you know what? We haven't. We haven't I, I'm so curious what the yeah. ownership and the, what the feel is going to be with Arizona in tournaments. I, you know, with Kyler Murray again, like everyone loves him. Everyone hates him. And we know about the up-tempo offense. So I, I'm, I'm, I'll be intrigued. I certainly will have a David Johnson and Kirk and Kyler stack, at least a David Johnson and Kyler. I'm, I think that those two will hook up a few times. He just, he falls into that spot where it's, uh, so this is something Nando coined and I started using a couple of years ago is the blind spots. And this is what I use over it. When you see my column at the footballers, the DFS package is it's blind spots. It's the players that kind of get overlooked because one, they're sandwiched in a bad price range, maybe bad matchups, maybe the names right in front of behind them. Like somebody's hurt and you kind of just, it's a thing where you just look right past them. But because he's 800 behind Christian McCaffrey and then you drop down to, Bell, Mixon, Gurley, and you see all these big names because you're ignoring Melvin Gordon because he's out. He kind of gets glossed over. And then for your point, Joe, it's the whole, well, Detroit is one of the worst pace of play teams. And I feel like David Johnson is going to end up with a lower ownership percentage. I could be wrong, but I just, I feel like that's the perception right now. 
No, I think you're totally right. People are going to find that extra 800 to play Christian McCaffrey. And if they don't, they're going to go right down to Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb for significantly cheaper. So we didn't get any sort of discount on DJ. And I feel like that's something that makes sense in tournaments, depending on how you think this offense is going to kind of perform. Uh, but I don't tend to get too cute at running back in general. But if I am, it's always with a guy that I think is going to see a lot of volume. Uh, so if he's a little bit overpriced and you get an ownership discount there, I could easily see him being a top three back on the week pretty easily. All right, well, then let's put our money where our mouth is and let's put our Battle Royal lineups on the table. DFS Battle Royale. Who wants to go you. first? The host. All you right, fine. I, fine, I will go first. I, I, it's usually the guests. And I, just, but, I, mean, I guess you're not guests because you're co-host, but yeah, I, fine, I will go first. I, I created my lineup. So this is what you have the advantage over me, Chris, is you are the, the, the veteran of this show. And I was like, oh, are we doing like tournaments all year? Like, what is this battle royal? Like, I think battle royale. I think you want the one out of the hundred standing like Fortnite. Like, that. so I kind of went with a little bit of a tournament lineup over here. So my lineup is Josh Allen. That's where I'm going at quarterback. The two running backs I started with are Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. And then I have Cole Beasley, D.D. Westbrook and Kenny Galladay at wide receiver. Evan Ingram at tight end, Christian McCaffrey in my flex, and the Eagles defense against the Redskins. Although, like I said, you made me think twice about the Browns. I could get some savings and maybe bump up somebody like uh, Kenny Galladay to even more elite wide receiver. I might check that out in the interim. All right. Well, not a bad lineup. Not a bad there lineup. You go. All right, Joe, you're up. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to let you take it this time, uh, but I actually am going to go with exactly what I was talking about before. I'm going to go Jameis to Mike Evans and OJ Howard, but I'm going to leave off Godwin, but I'm also going to bring it back with Marquise Goodwin because, um, again, if I'm going to be paying all the way down on wide receivers, I want these high dot players. And, and I wasn't thinking of this as more of a cash game. I don't play a ton of cash games in general. I play a lot of small field, higher stakes GPPs. So this is the type of lineup that I would tend to build, what I think is a little bit more correlation, but also getting on some of the best plays. So that main stack and then uh, running backs are where I spend money. So I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey at 8,900. I'm also going to go with uh, Leonard Fournette at 7,200. We talked about him, maybe get a little bit ownership discount on him and Dalvin Cook in the flex at 7,400. So that's where all my money's at. The one wide receiver I, I haven't touched on yet, Michael Gallup. I think that if we get um, at least a little bit more volume, kind of when we had last year, if we get anywhere near what we saw for him in the playoffs, I think at 5,600, he's a great value. And I'm going to go with the Colts defense all the way down at 3,600. Never kind of scared to pay down at defense. Uh, so that's what so we're all on the same page here. I just, I honestly just made a couple changes. So we're not just spitting out the exact same lineups. Uh, <laughs> James Winston's my quarterback. I got Chris Carson, Chris McCaffrey in there, Mike Evans, DD Westbrook, like Jake. Uh, I know I swapped out Galladay just now for Robert Woods. I got OJ Howard in there as I already made a tight end too. spot <laughs> just to give some guys some some other picks, I suppose. Cole Beasley was locked in there at the flex, and I did have the Browns defense. Originally, I had over Robert Woods, I had Kenny Galladay, and it, and it left me. I was able to spend all the way up for Baltimore's defense, but I don't really feel like I need to do that. So like dropping down to Cleveland, like you talked about, Jake, save yourself about $700, and you can upgrade in that Kenny Galladay spot, although it wasn't really a significant upgrade with, with Robert Woods. It's another $100. Downgraded. Adam Thielen certainly on the board there as well. I think we just we just touched touched on him just briefly, with no digs. I think that's a uh, you know pretty good call. I've kind of lost track of your lineup. Stop naming so it. many people. I love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what I got him all right. Winston, Carson, McCaffrey, Evans, Dede, Robert Woods, OJ Howard, Cole Beasley, and the Browns. 
Yeah. The Browns defense. Yeah. All right. I like it. I like it. Chris, just... Chris has 19 <laughs> roster spots on his lineup. I have money left over. I don't know how it is. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, to your point. So, Chris, I dropped down to the Browns, and I was able to, instead of having, uh, I still have Cole Beasley, but instead of having Josh Allen and Kenny Galladay, and I have Cam Newton and DJ Moore. There so you I go. got my you stack. Got the stack that you wanted. Makes a lot of sense. Isn't yeah. that amazing? And this show is amazing. And so are these guys. Make sure you're following Joe Holka at Joe Holka, Chris Meany at Chris Meany. I'm at Allen Kid. I'm the weird one of the three. And uh, like I said, M- Mike might change his mind and say, screw you guys. I'm doing the show. We hate you so much. But no, we love you guys. Make sure you, like, the EFS pass, again, 10% off with the podcast code. You can get Chris's articles, my articles, everything that's over there for you. Hope to hear you back next week. Good luck in your cash games and uh, just good luck and any, any final words guys just good luck enjoy week one let's do just it enjoy week, week one, one don't go too crazy we'll see you next week Listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.